Hey, welcome to the Resolve Podcast, episode number 57. I'm Carly Tizano, a New Year's resolution coach obsessed with all things goal setting, personal development, coaching, and of course, resolutions. One of my biggest goals is to help you reach yours. I'm here to provide the tools, support, and inspiration you need to reach your goals this year and every year and to feel supported every day. Today we are diving into a topic that is somewhat peripheral to the idea of goals and resolutions, but it's one that I know to be fundamentally important. And fortunately, it is not just fundamental to this area of our life, but really to every area of our life. And so this is one of those really translatable tools because getting really good at this skill will not only enable you to reach your goals and to keep your resolutions that much better and faster and more efficiently, but also it will allow you to utilize this tool really regularly in your everyday life. And that tool is processing emotions. So emotions are one of those things that we all have them and that is what makes, I think, our experience in the world what it is, right? Because when something happens or we're living through something or we're doing something, we can think things about it, we can believe things about it, but ultimately it is our emotional experience of those events that is really what resonates and sticks with us and often then determines our next course of action. And based on what I just talked about, that idea and conceptualization is really what the Life Coach School model tool is all about. We really dove into that back in episode 21, if you want to break that down about how neutral circumstances are the things that happen in the world, and then our thoughts are the way that we personally interpret those things, and then our thoughts create our feelings, and then our feelings drive our actions, and our actions create our results. So that is a truly transformational tool. It is really the foundation of everything that Life Coach School does and talks about, and so it's something that I frequently use with clients and in my own life, and right smack there in the middle is the idea of emotions and feelings. And so whether you are a person who is very in tune with their feelings, knows exactly what they're feeling at all times, and really lets that kind of control their life, or you're someone who shoves it down, packs it away, ignores it. Regardless, I think that this is going to be a helpful discussion for you because ultimately, regardless of which category you fall into, the vast majority of us, or I would say all of us, to some extent or another, the things that we do and the goals that we set and the resolutions we want to keep and the experiences we go after and all of that, we want the things that we do because of the way that we think we will feel when we have them. Because sure, it's nice to get a book on the New York Times bestseller list or to get a degree or to start a business. Those are all cool things in and of themselves and certainly things that are worth going after. But what makes those things what they are is because of how we think we will feel and to a lesser extent, but also important, I think what we think we will believe about ourselves if those things are. But even that is then if you believe, wow, I am a best-selling author, if you believe that about yourself, we don't just want to be able to believe that about ourselves. We want the pride and the excitement that is going to come and be the feeling that we feel as a result of that. And so positive emotions is not so much what we're going to dive into in this episode today because we want to cultivate those. We want to seek those out. But they are a key, actually, to processing the emotions that we don't want to feel. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But just like the things that we want and go after, most of the time, those positive emotions, that's what we are seeking. Similarly, it's the difficult, hard, or less comfortable emotions are the things that we actively avoid. So a lot of the decisions we make are 
based on that. Because if we can't cultivate those good positive emotions that we want, then we think at very least we can just mitigate or ignore or repress the the less positive ones, the ones that are going to hurt us or be painful or hold us back. When ultimately it really is the not processing or working through or utilizing those negative emotions that will hold us back. Because let's go back to the best-selling book example. Before you can have a best-selling book on the New York Times bestseller list or any other list, or even in your own mind, you have to write the book first. So we have that idea, that expectation of, I want to be a best-selling author. I want to do everything it's going to take because if I do that, then I can be proud of myself and proud of my research and my expertise and the position I'm going to hold in the world as a result of this work, all of that. And so that can be something that we project that we will feel in the future. But oftentimes it's the difficult or uncomfortable or painful emotions that we feel in the moments leading up to that that will be our greatest hurdles to actually achieving that goal and to letting ourselves feel proud even before we get there. Because it's in those time blocks that you set up to actually sit down and write the book when you're going to face procrastination and perfectionism and not wanting to show up and just the desire to do literally anything else. And so it is in avoiding those emotions now that we also postpone the possibility of letting ourselves feel those emotions that we ultimately want to feel. But fortunately, it is through recognizing the role that those and other negative emotions can play in reaching our goals, the fact that they are part of the process, that is what makes them so fundamental to us being able to do the things that we want and to reach our goals. And difficult emotions, they most often appear, they are most common and most commonly come up in the areas where we are growing. And that's good. <laughs> that's not a bad thing. We want to recognize that. And it kind of goes back to the idea of if we can recognize the hurdles we're going to face ahead of time, we are going to be that much more positioned to handle them and to jump over them when they do show up, when we do come around the bend and there's the hurdle. And so rather than using that feeling of imposter syndrome or disappointment in yourself or like you aren't living up to whatever standard it is that you set, when those feelings come up, because I'm sure that they will, especially if you were going after a big goal or you set an audacious resolution, but it's something that you do want and you do want to go after, especially in those moments when those negative emotions come up and you are feeling disheartened or uncomfortable or anything else, that is a good sign. It means you are in the right place. It means you are growing in that area. You're taking the steps necessary to build that self-confidence and the self-trust that it's going to make it possible to reach that goal and any other. So just because you are feeling a negative emotion does not mean you are in the wrong place. It actually means you are exactly in the right place. And that comes up whether you're writing a book, as I know, now having done it. But another area that I see it happen frequently in my own life and my clients' lives and other people that I follow on Instagram and that we've had interviewed on the podcast, it also frequently comes up with people who own businesses, entrepreneurs. They very intentionally have to cultivate opportunities to experience negative emotion. And a lot of times that comes from putting themselves out there in new ways, expressing ideas that people may or may not inherently agree with. And even that, to dive further into that idea, that oftentimes comes from knowing who the people are you specifically are speaking to, doing that level of work, knowing what it is you want to say to them, what it is that they need to hear. And all of that is really crucial to being a business owner, whether you sell an actual physical product or you sell a service to help people as coaches do. Having that level of work and the level of failure that is required in order to figure that out, especially because most of the time it is figured out through trying something, seeing it doesn't work and trying again, all of that, it's such a battleground of failure, I think, entrepreneurship. And that is what makes it difficult for a lot of people. But that is also where so much of 
the growth and the power comes. And this is another area where we can see that old adage hold true about you get out of it what you put into it. And so if you aren't willing to emotionally invest yourself for both positive and negative emotions in the entrepreneurship process or in your goals and resolutions that you're going after, you're not going to be able to experience that success that you want to the level that you probably want to because you haven't let yourself indulge fully or embrace this area and this avenue of growth fully. So the Life Coach School also has another idea, one that I will admit I find to be a little less helpful. So it's not one that I spend a lot of time thinking about, but it is an interesting idea and I think a helpful theory that you can kind of come back to. And it's the overarching principle that I, I guess I hold to and I don't inherently disagree with. And it's the idea of life being 50-50. And so it's the idea that life is half good and half bad no matter who you are, where you are, what life you have, whether you live in the penthouse or a studio apartment, life is going to probably for you be good and bad. And tying that back into the idea of the model, it's the idea that if circumstances are neutral and we can interpret them how we want to, we don't need to or even want to spend too much of our time trying to indulge and be happy 100% of the time. I know that we all do want to maximize our happiness as much as possible. But when we can recognize that there are a lot of things in the world that we don't want to be happy about and we don't want to change those things. We want to be sad or upset or angry or enraged and driven to action by a lot of the negative things that exist in the world. We can accept and embrace that much easier when we recognize, okay, this does exist. This is how I want to feel about this. And then we can also embrace that half of our life is probably going to be good and joyful and consist of laughter and going to the beach and time with friends and family and all of that, making a difference, pursuing our goals, reaching our goals, all of that is part of the journey too. And when we don't spend too much time trying to negate or reject the half of the 50 that is less comfortable or fun or joyful, we are able to experience what it is to be human on a different level because you are just accepting this is what I'm feeling in a given moment and or in the larger scheme and scope of my life in general. And so instead of resisting a lot of the emotions you feel, you are able to just kind of embrace them. And that's because a lot of pain and negative emotions are the things we want to feel in a given moment. And the next level of that is pain and negative emotions are things that we can use and want to choose to use as we pursue our goals and live our lives. So we'll get to that in just a second. But the thing that we do want to reduce, the thing that we don't want to be part of the negative half of the 50 is suffering. And suffering happens when we resist the pain and negative emotions that we feel in our life. And it comes often in the form of, I shouldn't be feeling this. I, I should be happy right now, or I should be happier, or at least I just should not be feeling this way. I should be feeling something different. This isn't what's supposed to be happening. And so when we layer that resistance on top of the pain we're feeling anyway, that is where suffering comes into the picture. And that is really the only unnecessary level of emotional experience because we're just exacerbating the thing that we are feeling, whether intentionally or not anyway. And it makes the whole process of moving through emotions that much more difficult. Okay, but what I want to look at next is where kind of goal setting and emotions meet. So to reach a goal, it takes a lot of effort and persistence and commitment and intentionality and probably some moments of struggle and frustration and annoyance, whether at ourselves or our goal, putting ourselves through this, all of that. While all of those are good things in the sense that they are working us towards our goal, the good news is we don't count those as part of the positive 50. The only goal-related emotion that I think of as being related to the positive half of the 50, 
other than like pride and success and excitement and all of that is motivation. If you were in a moment where you were feeling motivation and feeling motivated to do something or anything, then I count that as part of the positive half of the 50 because it feels like a really good emotion. It's it's normally a pretty light feeling. It's going to fuel a lot of action inherently. And so it's a, an emotion that we have associated in our minds to be a good thing. Whereas even closely related emotions like persistence and commitment, while it probably will get you the same result and actually will get you a lot further than motivation ever will because it's something that you often have to intentionally generate, I consider it to be on the negative half of the 50 because a lot of times it does not feel good. It does not feel like rainbows and sunshine and butterflies on a field full of roses. It feels like showing up and doing the work, taking one step after the other up the mountain. So if we accept, which for the sake of this episode we are, the idea of 50-50, we can intentionally choose the vast we can choose all of our emotions, right? Because if our emotions are the product of our thoughts, by choosing what we want to think and believe about life or circumstances or anything else, we can then, by default and extension, choose our emotional experience of the world. But so if slash because we can choose the emotions that we want to feel, and if we accept for the sake of this episode, that is 50-50, half positive, half negative, rather than letting ourselves indulge in suffering in the negative 50 and sadness and anger and frustration, annoyance. One that I know I felt a lot over the years is resentment. That's one of my default emotions. So rather than choosing those to be the negative 50 that I'm going to experience in my life, I can intentionally choose instead that negative 50 or a much larger percentage of it is going to be spent on things like commitment and persistence and effort and holding space for failure and the growth that occurs as a result of that, and maybe even letting myself have that space to be disappointed in myself, either because I didn't show up or something didn't go the way that I hoped for. But then that disappointment is a result of what I'm trying and what I'm going after and how I'm showing up or how I want to be showing up. And that's not to say we're going to feel those things all the time, because there probably will be some moments of anger and sadness and frustration and resentment that come up in our lives. And so that's part of the negative 52. But we can intentionally choose and we want to intentionally choose that if we are going to have 50% of our life be a quote-unquote negative emotion or even quote-unquote less positive emotion, that doesn't mean that we can't use them positively and use them to get us closer to where we want to go. So that is how we can use emotions to get to live our lives even more intentionally on an entirely new level. And it doesn't just have to be going after goals and checking off resolutions, although, of course, that's the context within which we are examining this. But you can also use that idea to do and achieve anything else that you want to, and even just as you live and enjoy life. Okay. And the second part of this that we need to examine, though, is processing emotions and that idea, where that comes from, what it looks like. And... Processing emotions is a buzzword in the personal development, self-help coaching space. So if you have no idea what it means, it's basically just feeling your feelings. That is kind of the easiest, most surface level summary of what it is. But a lot of times when we come back to that idea of resistance, we talked about suffering and how that kind of layers on top of the negative emotions that we're feeling. And a lot of times that resistance that is what then produces that suffering in our lives. The analogy that a lot of people use is that resistance to our emotions is often like holding a beach ball under the water. And it takes a lot of effort and it really is just kind of that brute strength of I am not going to deal with this. I am not going to feel this. I don't want this. And as you can imagine, like your arms get pretty tired and shaky after a while. <laughs> and that's where that idea of suffering comes in. But 
Anyone who has ever processed any emotion will tell you that if you actually process an emotion through, if you actually feel it, it is much quicker. Because let's be real, if you let that ball float up to the surface, it's not going to stick close to you very long. If you're floating in a pool, it's going to just drift away. It's going to be on the other side of the pool before you know it. And hopefully you are in a pool and not in like the ocean or something, because who knows then where it'll end up. And the good news is we already know how to process emotions. I have had so many clients who, when I have shared this, it has kind of blown their mind because they're so caught up in the idea of processing emotions and how difficult it is and how they don't know how to do it and how it's a skill they need to learn. And whatever I point out that we already know how to process emotions because we already do it with positive emotions, their minds are pretty much blown. Because think back on the last time that you were excited or happy, um, looking forward to something with anticipation, when you were proud of yourself, when you were laughing with a friend, those moments of joy or any other positive emotion, we don't resist those, at least very rarely. And if we do, it's often because of a negative emotion we're feeling under that. What comes to mind is Brene Brown's idea of foreboding joy. So we're in a moment, we're loving it, but we kind of turn it to be bittersweet because we're thinking about our fear of losing this thing that has come to mean so much to us or something like that. So we're not specifically looking at that right now. But when you are feeling those moments of joy, if you don't have the foreboding aspect and you really are in that moment, when you just are feeling that feeling, letting it process through, that's exactly what you're doing in the moment. You're not resisting it. You are probably embracing and enjoying it. And oftentimes you probably notice, even if you try to extend the happy feeling or the joyful feeling or the post laughter feeling a little bit longer, you just can't because you felt it and maybe you felt it for a minute or five minutes or an hour or a couple hours, but it's processed through. It's gone now. I love that feeling of being excited about a new thing, whether it be a book or an author or a podcast I've just discovered when I get really into a new TV show. Those are such great feelings. But inevitably, even if I try to maximize those feelings, when you just make a new friend, when you have something exciting coming up on the calendar, like those are such great feelings. But they're not things you can hold on to forever because the next day or a week or a couple weeks down the line, it's just not going to hold the exact same emotional response as it does in those initial or the first while that you were feeling that emotion. And the same is true, believe it or not, for negative emotions. Another idea that the Life Coach School teaches, I'm really returning to my roots there today because this is something that you talk about a lot. Brooke Castillo of the Life Coach School often says, the worst thing that you can experience in life is an emotion. And I think while there are some nuances to that idea that I don't 100% agree with, I understand the idea behind that idea. And I do agree with it because... When we feel enraged or heartbroken or upset, it's those emotions that we are so scared of that we will do anything, even add additional suffering to our life through resistance to prevent them by sometimes staying with people longer than we should, by refusing to watch the news or engage in what's happening in the world, by cutting off even deep friendships because maybe that person brings up something in you that you are a little scared to examine. Those emotions and processing through them are things that we are so active to avoid because of the actual experience of processing and feeling those emotions in our body. And that's okay. But that's why we're going to come to the idea of processing emotion. And I think all of us know what it feels like in our bodies to be like open to experiencing something. And when we're kind of closed off and shut down, I know to me, like one feels very expansive through my chest and the other one kind of feels like you're falling into a black hole in your chest. Like it's just all compressed and all the energy is coming inward, normally like down through my stomach. I'm someone who has a lot of gut feelings and makes a lot of decisions based on what I feel in my gut. Um, so maybe that's why like my gut is feels like it's contracting in on itself. It's just awful. But it's something that I know I 
can experience and feel because it is just a feeling. And I know how to process emotions. I know how to process feelings. And so that is kind of the first step is to open yourself up, even if it is such a painful feeling that you feel shooting down through your gut, you can still open up to it and let yourself actually feel what that feels like. And the key to that is to identifying the feeling in your body. So a couple ways that people will do this is oftentimes if you're working with a coach and you're processing a difficult emotion, they'll have you close your eyes, open up to the feeling, and then they will have you talk through what the feeling feels like in your body. And if you struggle to do this at first, just do it when you are feeling positive emotion. And then you will start to recognize what the process feels like and you can begin to do it in negative emotions when you feel those two. So it often looks like where in your body do you feel the emotional sensation? Because we feel our emotions in our body. And is the energy that you feel in that place or places, is it moving or is it still? And if it is moving, what speed is it moving? Is it rhythmic? What is it that you are feeling in that place? Is it warm? Is it cold? Those kinds of questions. Sometimes they'll even ask, is it growing? Is it receding? Does it have a color? Sometimes our emotions have colors. One that commonly is expressed, I think, is the idea of anger being red. We all know what that red anger feels like. But it's not only anger that is sometimes red. Just like sadness isn't always blue. But sometimes adding that language to our emotional experience by adding our language to the emotions that we're feeling in a given moment, we are able to tune into them. And inherently, we are letting them be there and exist in our body by doing that. And sometimes it takes a couple of minutes to process through an emotion. And sometimes you do have to sit there and let it be there and let it be okay, even if it feels like you want to crawl out of your skin. Trust me, I know that feeling. But by being there and letting it be there, it normally will go away within a couple of minutes, like five minutes. Normally, sitting centrally in an emotion will not last longer than that. And that's not to say it won't come back, especially things like grief or sadness when you are processing a really big loss. Those things will keep coming back again and again. But the key is that by processing each wave, you are processing each wave. You're not resisting it. You're not holding it down. Um, and of course, the next step of the holding it down analogy is that eventually your arms are going to become too tired and that beach ball is going to pop right out of the water. And if you are processing the emotions, if you're letting the beach ball come up out of the water, you are going to A, know what to do if that happens, how to process the emotion. But it also just may not happen because you are willingly taking the ball out of the water. You're not holding it down. Your arms aren't getting tired. And so while you can't guarantee that it will never happen, it is much less likely to happen at all, or at least when you very least would want it to, because let's be real, oftentimes if we have an emotional outburst, that's exactly when it happens. But processing emotion isn't just something that you have to do sitting on your couch, crisscross applesauce with your eyes closed. Processing emotions can be done on the go, especially as you recognize that it's happening and you get good at it. It is a skill just like everything else, and it's not something that we can do perfectly. But by intentionally choosing our emotions and processing through them, that is kind of like the double whammy of if we can choose to exercise commitment to our goals this week and we could process through that emotion and the frustration or annoyance or failure that may come up as a result of that, we are going to be that much closer to reaching our goals and that much better at intentionally pursuing and processing emotions. I know I've talked before on the podcast about the emotions wheel. And so that may be a really cool tool for you to not only begin to get good at naming the emotion that you're experiencing, but also intentionally choosing like what emotions do I want to put on the menu this week that I want to choose? And especially of the negative 50 that will help me reach my goals, but even in other areas. And then 
Uh, a step beyond that is what do I need to think and believe about myself or my goals or my life or anything else in order to generate those feelings that I need to in my life. So for things like commitment and persistence, it's probably going to be, I said, I'm going to do this. It's as good as done. It's time to get to work. I can do this. Every action I'm taking now is going to get me one step closer to my goals. I'm becoming the person I want to be. I am the person that I want to be. I am showing up right now as the person I want to. All of those kinds of ideas are things that will hopefully then engender that position, that feeling of persistence or commitment. And it's probably going to be something different for you. Those are just some of the ones that came to mind. But the key difference is a lot of those times, those things aren't going to make you feel motivated. They don't make me feel motivated. It feels like a secondary layer, maybe kind of of drudgery, like I'm just going to show up and do the thing. But I will tell you the vast majority, probably 98% of the work that I do in my life, especially right now, because it feels like there's so much of it, involves just showing up and putting one foot in front of the other, doing one thing after the other. And although my brain will have a lot of ideas, well, it would be so much more fun to go scroll Instagram right now, or we don't have to do this. We don't want to do this. Let's do anything else. By letting those things be there, not resisting them, saying, I know that my brain feels that way. Let's be real. Those emotions in and of themselves don't engender a lot of really strong emotional responses either. Like I'm not super motivated to go scroll Instagram or do anything else. So in that sense, it is easy to let those emotions be there. And then to still intentionally choose in that moment. Sure, maybe scrolling Instagram would bring me a jolt of joy for my positive 50. But ultimately, what's going to bring me more joy that I will intentionally choose in the long run is by working on my book or finishing this research paper for my grad program or whatever else. It's through making those choices that we can get good at choosing and processing emotions. And so I hope that this episode has been helpful for you, maybe helped you think about emotions in a new way. And so I encourage you to resolve to process an emotion this week. Choose one, positive or negative, up to you, but go through the idea of opening up to it, letting it be there, not resisting it, identifying where it is, what it is, what it's doing, and just sitting with it until it kind of begins to dissipate. And no, you don't have to do it on your couch. You can do it as you live your life, but intentionally tap into and recognize that process. And then I'm not going to say that it's particularly a fun one either, but it is one that is incredibly useful. And so even if it's one that you have to use the negative half of your 50 to make happen and to get yourself to do, it is one that will ultimately be worth it because of its power in this area and in every other. And let's see what I am reading this week. I just started The Attachment Effect, exploring the powerful ways our earliest bond shapes our relationships and lives by Peter Levenheim. This is a topic that I have been wanting to read more about for a really long time. And honestly, I've had this book on my reading list for probably a year and a half. So I'm glad that I have finally allowed it to rise to the top to dive into this topic because it is one that is super important. And so I'm excited to see what I'm going to learn about myself and other people and how to operate among them. And whatever my next level of growth will be, there probably is going to be some processing of emotions, holding space for emotions as a result of reading this book. And that's okay because like we've been talking about, that's a skill that I know how to do and plan to continue to work on. And then today I want to toast futureme.org. So I really don't remember when or how I found this idea. It might have been through Gretchen Rubin, but I wouldn't swear to that. So I have for the last several years been writing myself a letter through Future Me. I get one at the end of each year and then I write one to myself that comes at the end of the next year. So basically you put in your email, you write a letter and you tell the program when you want to receive it. So 
Normally, I think people will do a year, but you can choose a date, a specific date, or you can put different like years in the future that you want to receive the email. Technically, I guess you could send it to other people in the future, but it's meant to write a letter to yourself. And so I discovered it in September a few years ago. And so when I found it, I wrote a letter to myself that year. And so every year since, in addition to my like resolutions and slash beginning of the year letter, I always get one in September. And it's always nice because I always forget about it. So it's always a surprise. And it's amazing to look back not only then at where I was in my life and the person I was when I wrote the letter the year before, the things that were going on, the things I was struggling with, the level of growth that I was tackling, but then also the advice and appreciation that I had for the future me who then reads the letter. It's a really unique dynamic to both write something like that and to experience receiving it. At every time, my past self has always had something to say to my future slash now current self that future slash current me deeply appreciates and that strongly resonates with me in a way that I know it didn't when I wrote it. It's really amazing. So I want to toast future me. I will give like a secondary resolve to for you to experiment with future me because it is such an interesting and really cool free tool that just exists out there on the internet. So that's futureme.org. Definitely check it out. And so go see what wisdom your current self has for your future self. And with that, thanks for tuning into the Resolve Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Carly Tisano. I would love to connect with you. Don't forget to rate or review. It really helps other people find the show. And subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss another great episode next week. For the show notes or additional support in reaching your goals, check out carlytisano.com. Until next time, here's to all that lies ahead.